Look, I don't know. I'm starting to feel like a lone man over here. <laughs> Sam Rajofsky, you're listening to the What's Right Show. Lots of drama going on in D.C. and beyond. I will parse it out for you. Fear not. All right. <laughs> I, um, I never get worried, friends when I have a unique and or, let's say, peculiar position on an issue. I actually, to be perfectly blunt, uh, I get more worried when I am going along with the flow of the groupthink of the hour. Now, what I mean by this in this particular case today, as we are here, what is it, 2 o'clock on Thursday, ninth vote having gone down, uh, and again, we are uh, looking a little bit, um, uh, well, let's say Kevin McCarthy is short a few votes. Ninth vote went down, uh, lost, uh, Kevin McCarthy lost a vote. Don't read too much into that. That's one Republican congressman from Colorado, Ken Buck, who did not show up for the vote, but he's been a consistent McCarthy vote. So not sure what that's uh, what's going on there. Um, the general consensus among the political chattering class, and particularly among conservative, so-called conservative commentators, is one of disgust over the 20 insurrectionist GOP Republicans, uh, congressmen who are not uh, voting for McCarthy. I disagree. And I'll tell you why. And I'm saying this now for a third day, only now I'm getting pissed off. There are things that matter to me. There are things that matter to you that we care about every single election. We vote in November. We elect our representatives. And we hope and pray that they will fulfill their promises. Now, what do we want, friends? Because now speaking as a conservative first and a Republican second, speaking as a, um, well, without any doubt, a, 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 a full-blooded American in the sense of loving this country, being devoted to it, desiring nothing more for my legacy, my, my short time here on this earth to be the preservation of this republic, the success of the United States of America, the singular exceptionalism that is this country and prevailing in that exceptionalism for generations to come. You know, when you look into the uh, beyond the moment of what's occurring right now and you look at what you want what I want, what you want, what we all want for this country. I don't give a rip if they have to argue about this a few more days. I don't give a rip that this isn't a convenient ascension for Kevin McCarthy. I don't give a rip that it looks like we have party disunity because as I begin to peel away the layers of the onion, and I'm going to do that for you today, by the way, but as I look into the details of this, 
what I have been telling you is in fact true. That this insurrection is not some petty, you know, fit that these guys are throwing in order to get perks. This is a principled stand and a bravery shown by a number of elected officials that I think really is exceptional and and belies the fact that for years, congressmen and women have made us empty promises. We have voted on those promises. They get to D.C. and then for years and years have done what is politically convenient for them in the moment at our expense. Now, I know you don't like that. I know you don't. And I know that because I don't like it. I don't like this one bit. Now, whether you call these Republicans far right, as the New York Times did uh, today, or you call them, in another piece in the New York Times, uh, you know, these 20 Republicans, what is it, 12 of them denied the 2020 election, so they're starting to make that link. Whatever you want to call them, they're on the right track to fixing abuses in our government that have been perpetrated against us and have created, frankly, tremendous weakness in this country, all in the favor of people that hold power who ought to be working for us and not the other way around. Now let's delve into some details here so I can perhaps persuade some of you who disagree with me that I am right. You know, I watched yesterday C-SPAN, so I doubt uh, very many of you uh, do that, but yesterday after the final vote, I was watching a press conference that frankly turned my stomach inside and out. And this was the GOP press conference following the last vote yesterday. And they brought out all of the veterans, the uh, GOP representatives, uh, all the serving or former uh, veterans serving in Congress, and, and, and the gist of it basically was, we have served this country, we have either in combat or not in combat, have sacrificed much for these beautiful United States of America, and as a consequence, we, um, we know what putting America first means, and putting America first means here in this case means electing Kevin McCarthy as our speaker. Da, 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 da. Okay. Here is, by the way, uh, a little snippet of what that flavor sounded like just for your listening pleasure. We have here a group of combat veterans, uh, all of whom have served and have decided to continue their service uh, in the United States House of Representatives. Uh, They all know what it means to be on a team. They know what it means to sacrifice. They know that there are more men and women overseas right now putting their lives on the line for this republic than the entire British, Canadian, and Australian military combined. Uh, And they know what it means to be worthy and conduct themselves in a way that is worthy of the sacrifices for the men and women we couldn't bring home or who came home literally missing limbs. Uh, And 
forever altered upstairs. Forever altered upstairs, of course, referring to these folks uh, returning from military service and having, um, you know, um, some some degree of, of, of problems, right, psychological problems. Now, huh, where do I begin? First off, and I want to make this very clear, there is a huge difference between serving in the military as part of the Marines, part of the Army, part of the Air Force, and serving as an elected member of the House of Representatives of the legislative body. And what is that difference? It's very important. It's a distinct difference. Yeah, you're part of a caucus. You're a Republican. You're part of Congress. There's a team there. Fine. But you're not part of a team. You represent the people of your district. You're not there to be a gosh damn team member. Oh, look at me. I'm here to be a team member. I'm going to play nice with everybody. No. That's not what this is about. Folks, wake up, right? Many of you and I included, we've all complained over the years that we elect people to serve in Congress and then they go over there and turn squishy on us, right? We've had this conversation. And now... 20 uh, elected congressmen are holding firm on things like a balanced budget, for example, and I don't know, a secure border being the other. And Republican leadership isn't giving it to them, and they're refusing to fold. To me, this is admirable. Now, in an effort to slam these folks, the New York Times inadvertently today wrote a piece that explains quite well what is going on. The piece, of course, was titled What the Far-Right Republicans Want to Remake Congress and the Government. Now, I won't get too into the depth of this piece because it's multiple pages, but I will tell you, the New York Times is very upset with these Republicans for their efforts to remake Congress because in short, in sum... These far-right members of Congress want to do away with some of the streamlining that speakers from Newt Gingrich all the way through Nancy Pelosi have grown and grown the power of the speaker's office to ramrod bad legislation through. There are procedural shortcuts that are being taken every year that force votes— for bills that are simply terrible for this country. They give tremendous power and leverage to the few at the top at the expense of other elected members of Congress who represent us, who are the rank-and-file members. And this, I think, is a big-picture rallying point, is extremely critical. Look, I've said this time and time again, and and, and look, if you want somebody to be a rah-rah Republican guy, I am not your man, okay? I'm not that guy. I'm a principled, conservative American. My parents gave up tremendous things to come to this country as a beacon of freedom. This is my American dream. This is their American dream. This country is like none other in the world. You want to know my 
bias if I have one. I want to keep this country that way. I want it to remain the country that attracted my folks and countless others who came here to start over and make a better life for themselves. I want it to be the country that uh, your grandparents and great-grandparents and great-great-grandparents came to to make their home. I want this country to be exceptional. I make no apologies for this country, and at the same time, I understand that its government, our government here, does not always work for us. Now, what do I think of Kevin McCarthy? First off, I think he's a weenie, and I got to go to a break here, so I don't want to end on this point because it's going to sound very shallow. I think he's a weak guy who is very particularly interested in having power. Now, will he end up being speaker? Probably. I, I don't see this. I don't know how this will play out. I don't have a crystal ball. Or maybe he won't. But in either event... If I was elected to Congress and I was sitting there on the floor, see, I, I'm one of these 20 people. I don't give a rat's rear end what anybody thinks of me. If I am doing the right thing, and maybe this comes from you know, my, my parents and, and their individualism and certainly it's translated into me having a successful career as a lawyer because I don't give a rat's rear end what anybody else thinks of me. I'm there to represent my client. But if I were there, I wouldn't give a rip what any media or any Republican talking head thinks of me, and I'll give you examples of this when we come back, because I would simply and straightforward care about fulfilling the promises that I made when I ran for election. I consider those, I would consider those to be my bond. And that is when you look at these names, when you look at Lauren Boebert and Dan Bishop, Andy Biggs, Andy Harris, Mary Miller, Ralph Norman from South Carolina. When you look at these names, you realize these are people that made promises to their constituents. They won on the basis of their promises. And what? who would they be if they went to Congress and capitulated just for the sake of political convenience? All right, the What's Right show will continue here in just a moment. Sam Rajovsky here on News Talk 840 KXNT. If you've been in an accident, there's no reason to call a sleazy lawyer. It's not just about the settlement check. It's about representing your interests and your values. So call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit samandashlaw.com. Your host, Sam Rajovsky here, your favorite cisgender radio personality, uh, just kidding. Well, I, I am that, but um, I'm definitely your favorite radio host, uh, gender or otherwise, here on News Talk 840 KXNT, delivering common sense conservatism, 2 to 3 p.m., Monday through Friday. All right, it's the What's Right show. Why is it that? Because it's about what's right. It isn't about what's convenient. It's not the what's convenient show. It's not what's good for the GOP show. It's not what's good for party unity. It's not what's good for Washington. It's about what's right. And one thing I am, folks, is uh, I am consistent. 
problem with being consistent, you end up with very few friends over the years because eventually you piss everyone off. That's what I'm doing right now when I'm siding with the 20 Republican so-called insurrectionists as they demand for things that I understand to be unappealing to Republican Party leadership. In sum, when you look at what the totality of the demands are, they can be characterized as things that reduce the power of the speakership. Which is why, friends, it is very obvious that McCarthy doesn't want to agree to these things. He doesn't want his committees filled with Freedom Caucus members who can veto his agenda. And what is his agenda? His agenda is to quote-unquote get things done for the American people. Well, if I hear that one more time, get things done, I don't want Congress to get things done. I don't, I don't want bad laws to happen. And here's a, here's a tip, neither do you. When you hear these congressmen say, well, we want to get things done and get it, you know, get it done for the American people, F off. I, 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 want, I want thoughtful legislation passed. I want lower taxes. I want less regulation. I want a balanced budget. I want a secure border. That's what I want. And I don't think we ought to be giving that up for the sake of political convenience. And that is precisely, friends, exactly what is at stake. Now, at the last segment I played, it was Republican Michael Waltz, Republican Florida representative, excuse me, Michael Waltz, uh, talking about the veterans who'd lost their limbs, sacrificed for this country, and the GOP you know, members were all standing up there, the veterans, uh, saying that we need to coalesce behind Kevin McCarthy for Speaker of the House. Um, here's Michael Waltz after that explaining that our adversaries are making fun of us as a reason for why we need to vote McCarthy in as soon as possible. Listen to this. Drivel. I just want to take a minute to read what our adversaries are saying. Uh, in North Korea, in Iran, in Venezuela, in Cuba, authoritarian regimes all over the world are pointing to what's going on in the House of Representatives and saying, look at the messiness of democracy. Look at how it doesn't work, how it can't function. And in contrast to their authoritarian regimes. Lord, deliver us from these morons, is my prayer today. Is he actually putting up as examples, criticisms from authoritarian regimes, criticizing our quote-unquote messy democracy, and saying, boy, we, you know, it looks like we're taking incoming criticism from Venezuela. We, we really ought to rethink what we're doing. What an idiot. I don't even know where to go on this. Democracy is messy, Michael. That's what it is. Because we have to hash out our differences. We have to sort out what's, what's right and what's wrong. In a less than democratic country, these things get directed 
And this is where Republicans, some Republicans, are no better than Democrats. Just like when Obama said, man, this this messy First Amendment, this messy Second Amendment, if we just weren't hamstrung by the Constitution, remember that? These Republicans think the same way. They're, they, why, why do we have to have all this messiness? Can't we just get things done and get behind a candidate? Well, no, we can't because this is America. All right, friends, more on this when we come back. Reactions from the political chatterati and why they have it wrong. Sam Rajofsky, The What's Right Show, back in a moment. Personal injury law is constantly changing. Uber and Lyft accidents aren't like other cases, but most law firms haven't kept up. Don't trust a new case to a lawyer who's stuck in the past. Call Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234, or visit samandashlaw.com. Friends! You're listening to The What's Right Show. Sam Rajofsky here in studio, live and local, News Talk 840 KXNT. I will get back to the speaker's race in a moment. Let me tell you a personal story that happened to me today. I got rear-ended. Now, (laughs) how, how many times do I talk about injuries, accidents, and whatnot occurring out on the roads crazy drivers doing crazy things. I am driving my, you know, I'm a car guy and you know I have a, um, have a couple of, uh, of older, old, you know, vintage cars. I was in a 1974 uh, Mercedes 600. This car, I may have mentioned it here on the program before. It was uh, previously owned by Yul Brynner, uh, the famous King and I actor. Uh, and yeah, it has a very, has a very well-used ashtray, let me put it that way. Well, now it has a very well-used rear end because I got slammed into by a Yahoo going a million miles an hour, not paying attention, trying to blame the fact that he rear-ended me on the, you know, on his brakes not working. Oh, and he gets out of the car, by the way, says he's not insured. Delightful. How am I feeling? Uh, my neck is stiff, and I'm I'm a little hurt because all of that energy from his Ford Focus flying through the air straight into the fully metallic chrome steel bumper that I had went straight into my body. Now, can I tell you what I did? Now, I, I you know this, you know me. I am I, I own a law firm, Sam and Ash, here in town, and Sam and Ash, of course, my partner Ashley has agreed to sponsor. Uh, this program. So, uh, you know, proud of my firm being able to support this endeavor here. But one of the first things I did was I walked in my office uh, to um, the intake attorneys and I gave them all my info and said, I'm turning this over to you. I'm turning this over to my firm. Now, there is no one, well, Ashley is a better lawyer than I am, but there's, you know, her aside, there's nobody else here who knows better what to do than me. But when it comes to my case, when it comes to my injury, I'm not going to just turn it over to, you know, I'm not going to handle it myself. I'm not going to speak for myself. I would rather have somebody else make those calls for me and represent me on my behalf, which is exactly what I'm going to do. And so I'm doing, I just want to let you know, I'm just sharing with you here a story today. Um, you know, all my driving that I do, it finally happened to me. 
it's only a matter of time. Thankfully, you know, thankfully it was, I mean, it could have been a lot worse. Uh, there are people that are not paying attention driving out there on the roads. They are absolutely not paying any attention, and they are getting people hurt. They're causing damage, and and folks, don't try to handle it on your own. Do what I do. Call a great firm to represent you, and in this case, I recommend Sam and Ash. Sam and Ash Injury Law, 702-820-1234, because you deserve what's right. All right, stiff neck and all, I am persevering here on air to get at what is going on in D.C., and I know it's at the top of everybody's mind, uh, and I'm in particular perplexed, though, that I have a very different take than a number of my colleagues in the media who are commentating on this. Uh, by the way, side note, yesterday I was laughing, LOLing, at Adam Kissinger, uh, the congressman, former congressman who was one of the um, major Trump antagonists and a useful idiot on the January 6th committee. Guess where he's working? He got a new job. Did you see this? <laughs> he's at CNN. <laughs> That's right. CNN today announced that Adam Kissinger, former congressman, is coming on as a paid commentator um yeah uh, any of us surprised by this nope no we're not so these 20 congressmen that kissinger has been you know uh, criticizing and other frankly other republicans have been criticizing let me tell you what they want in some they want more time to read bills before they're voted on give you a great example of that remember the 1.7 trillion dollar omnibus package that got passed what was that just right after christmas biden was on vacation in the caribbean they had to fly the bill down to him to get it signed they want more time to read bills is that a good thing i think so they want to heavily fortify the u.s border with mexico is that a good thing again I agree. Dismantling the IRS, simplifying taxes, creating a consumption tax. Look, this is not a bad idea. Empowering rank and file members to bring amendments to the floor, circumventing the powerful committees. There have been no free amendments in over six years. There are only amendments that are pre-approved and pushed by the speaker. Yeah, I get it. McCarthy does not want to agree to this because it would erode the power of the Speaker's office. But eroding that power is precisely what will bring that power back to the people, in my view. And finally, forcing clauses to bills and bills to pertain to the bill. So you, for example, can't just add some LGBTQIA stuff to a bill pertaining to the renaming of a post office, for example. And that has happened. Oh, and also the balanced budget. I mean, that's another thing that they're fighting for. They want to balance the budget. It, it, that is something, by the way, that I think universally is accepted. So with these being the very reasonable demands, what is the Republican Party establishment taught? Uh, what is their position on this? Now, McCarthy, um, McCarthy said this on Monday. He hasn't spoken, to my knowledge, publicly since then. But here is his 
um, his argument on this, and I think it's important to understand where he's coming from. Last night I was presented the only way to have 218 votes. If I provided certain members with certain positions, certain gavels, to take over the church committee, to have certain budgets. And they even came to the position where one, Matt Gates said, I don't care if we go to plurality and we elect Hakeem Jeffries and it hurts the new frontline members not to get reelected. Well, that's not about America. And I will always fight to put the American people first, not a few individuals that want something for themselves. They want those committee seats, by the way, to block some of these maneuvers that have fast-tracked these terrible bills. So he's not, he's, he's focused, he's making it sound like it's all about this, like these goodies that these guys want. They want their power. They want to block the same maneuvers that, that, that Nancy Pelosi did, that we were all in agreement on were bad. We want to make sure that those same maneuvers don't occur under Republican-led leadership. And that is, I think, absolutely uh, reasonable and responsible. Now, I don't like to talk about my competitors here on air. It's just kind of an old-school thing of mine. Uh, but I, I can talk about my, my friends and acquaintances. Uh, I will do that. Hugh Hewitt, my... Law professor, constitutional law. This guy taught me constitutional law when I was a student, a law student at Chapman University. He tweeted out this morning, quote, why are the 20, meaning the 20 GOP insurrectionists, blowing up their political careers? They aren't going to land Trey Gowdy, Jason Chaffetz careers, as if that's some great thing. Many will lose an attempt to win re-election. Byron Donalds is blowing up one of the most promising careers of all. I get Gates being Gates, but the others, question mark, close quote, this from Hugh Hewitt. Um, all respect, uh, Hugh, I, blowing up their political career. See, this is how inside Washington GOP people think. It is so basic. And here... What does he reveal to all of us? I mean, you maybe you've heard him on the radio, you've seen his show, but what is he telling you? He doesn't give a rat's rear end about you. He is talking about their political careers. Why are they blowing up their political? Oh my gosh, they're not gonna they're not gonna land plum posts. They're gonna lose re-election. What in the world? They. This is now laying bare the, the rot within the Republican Party in a way that I think is actually very healthy. Brian Kilmeade on the GOP insurrectionist saboteurs this morning, Fox and Friends, had this to say. But here's the thing. If you pick, Jim, just how insincere the insurrectionists are, we might, probably shouldn't use that word, the people that don't want to vote for Kevin McCarthy. They would disagree with that word. Saboteur. Saboteur. So, he, this, so if you're picking Jim Jordan, he has agreed to anything you want. At least Kevin McCarthy agreed to some things and uh, has had, didn't agree to other things. Saboteurs, insurrections. Well, I shouldn't call him that. Well, I'm I'm calling him that in, in, in jest over here because I'm that's the word I am hearing circulated among the Republican establishment. When we return, I have a compilation of other bad arguments 
regarding these GOP holdouts. And I, I just want, friends, I, I want you to understand it's, it's okay in this world to have a different opinion. It's okay. You don't have to go with the flow. In fact, aren't we very comfortable with that? You know, they told us to do all sorts of things. Wear the mask, get the vaccine, do this, do that. You know, we're comfortable not doing it. And also remember this uh, before we break, uh, and it's important. Unlike Europe, we don't have 22 political parties. We have two political parties. And I, I'm actually not uh, uh, one of these folks that is against that. I think, it's, um, I, think it has, I think it has benefits because when you look at Europe, it's a colossal mess, all these 25, 30 parties all fighting each other and forming these plurality governments. But I will tell you this. It is absolutely good, and it is absolutely healthy, and it is vital for the survival of this democracy to have disagreement within the party. Because not one party can represent 51%, 52%, you know, at all times, monolithically, over half the country. It's not possible. There will be disagreements. And it's a good thing. It's a healthy thing. And I'm optimistic that this actually will lead to better policy and a better and more united states of America. Sam Rajofsky here on the News Talk on, well, the What's Right Show, News Talk 40 KXNT, uh, live radio for you. I'll be back in just a moment. Sam Rajofsky here, your host of the What's Right Show, your place for common sense conservatism by the, well, uh, preeminent voices of reason here in Las Vegas. In fact, in the country, beyond, because it seems, it seems, friends, that I am one of the few people here making any sense. And uh, again, if you disagree with anything that I have said, or maybe you do agree with me, and you want to be one of the few people that reaches out to tell me that, please do. Sam at samandashlaw.com. Sam at samandashlaw.com. I do read and respond to as many emails as I possibly can. Now, uh, once upon a time, a man named Thomas Jefferson, whom you might be familiar with, wrote, and I quote, I prefer the tumult of liberty to the quiet of servitude. Now that is a quote that we can <clears throat> perhaps keep close to our, our hearts here as we resist the urge to call for party unity and just get this thing done and anoint, anoint Speaker McCarthy. Just make this happen. Come on, we're looking like fools. North Korea's laughing at us. Hey, we, had a, we had a Republican House member, literally, and I played the clip earlier in the program, uh, laughing at us. Venezuela, they're saying, you know, we're a mess. See the problems of democracy. Yeah, this is democracy, idiot. <laughs> this is what it is. And our founding fathers, our founding fathers, set the system up this way so 20 people could hold up Speaker of the House. Huh? Think about that. Okay. Here is a compilation of some 
Republican political reactions to this uh, fiasco. I think, what are we, ninth, ninth vote as of right now? Robbie, do we have a, I haven't looked, yeah, the last, was there another vote? I'm looking live here, 201. Eleventh speaker vote is possible today. So they just had a tenth vote that I have blissfully missed here as I've been doing the program. Uh, McCarthy, 200. Jeffries, 212. Donald's, 13. Hearn, 7. One person voting present. And a partridge in a pear tree. Okay. Bad GOP arguments. Here is a compilation put together by uh, Rob Hagland here. Let's see here. Listen, starts with Brian Kilmeade, moves to Newt Gingrich, Jonah Goldberg, Ben Shapiro, and ends with Dan Crenshaw. If you pick Jim, just how insincere the insurrectionists are, we might probably shouldn't use that word, the people that don't want to vote for Kevin McCarthy. They McCarthy's. would disagree with that. Saboteurs. Saboteurs. He's getting better than 10 votes for every vote the rebels can put together. They have no endgame. These, these people can't play tic-tac-toe. Uh, they've gotten themselves they're like the dog that caught the bus. These guys, they have this fantasy, this sort of Don Quixote fantasy that like the Nelson Rockefellers of the world are not only still alive, <laughs> but like running everything. This idea that being part of the establishment right. makes you a rhino squish loser is this fantasy that these guys are getting high on on their own farts and like Fox green rooms on. And it's nonsense. Whatever the goal is, it is pretty obvious what is being achieved. And that is the Democrats are, are jubilant over this. General rule of thumb in, in basic party politics. If the other side is jubilant over your activity, what you're doing is probably not super smart. Look, you pushed us into this corner, so now we're now we're saying we won't vote for anyone but McCarthy. That's why we're saying it, because we cannot let the terrorists win. Yeah, that's a good reason to dig your heels in, just because the other side is saying no. We're going to say yes. And as for Ben Shapiro, smart guy, but come on. That's not the rule. If the Democrats are jubilant over something, it's because they're idiots. We know this. How many times, for Pete's sake, how many times were the Democrats jubilant over something that Trump did that ended up being actually a brilliant Trump move that, of course, did great damage to the Democrats opposing him? You know, your, your opponent is oftentimes going to just be wrong. It's not a general rule of thumb in basic party politics. It's not. In fact, I would argue that saying that, oh, look, the Democrats are jubilant and, and, and Venezuela is making fun of us, it's all in the same boat. Who cares what anybody else is saying? I, that is not my touchstone in things I do in my life. I, I, I don't look to see if I'm getting approval. Even people I deeply respect and, and admire and love, I don't always agree with. And then what you're hearing is a tremendous amount of people that, that are, are wrapped up in the D.C. bubble, and they're laughing at us. They're laughing at us common peasant Americans, right? This is, by the way, their thinking. These are their words. They're not going to ever say this out loud. But it's how they think. Us peasant Americans, us voters, the only thing we're good for is just to line up like sheep and vote. Hey, dummy, line up and vote. Vote R. Vote Republican. Vote. Show up and vote. And then please, will you just sit down and shut up and let us, the experts, figure out what's going on in this country because you cannot be trusted.
to tell us what needs to be done. That type, that type of mentality is so pervasive in D.C. It's so pervasive in state capitals, including ours here in Carson City. It's a cancer that has um, spread. And by the way, our founding fathers foresaw this and they understood that we would be in a position someday where the very core of our democracy would be threatened and put mechanisms in place that gave power to a select few to say, no, enough is enough. So yeah, Newt Gingrich can call these guys the dogs that caught the bus. <laughs> and Jonah Goldberg can say that these guys are getting high on their own farts. And Ben Shapiro can say that, you know, this is, this is a basic rule of party politics. I, I don't care what anybody else is saying. And neither should you. You, you as a matter of fact, I, and I know this because... As a listener of this program, you are a highly intelligent and evolved person. You know how to question things and look at it independently. All right, I'll be back tomorrow. We'll see what happens here. I will, of course, keep you up to date. Sam Marjofsky, The What's Right Show, back tomorrow.